Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Thursday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We regret to inform you there are no good martinis on the menu today. But we do have a couple of bads and a crazy, maybe a bad and two crazies. Uh, we'll leave some of that up to your judgment. But, uh, Jim, let's get to bad martini number one. And as you point out in the morning jolt today, this is certainly not unexpected. But given the fact that uh, COVID origins suddenly became fair game to talk about, and because before John Stewart, uh, you were a uh, hysterical conspiracy theorist if you thought that uh, it was possible that uh, COVID-19 uh, began from a lab leak in Wuhan, and then uh, he had his rant on the Stephen Colbert show, and uh, lo and behold, uh, people in government started to actually admit that this could be an issue. And so the intelligence community has supposedly been looking into this in considerable detail, and as you lead off in the morning jolt today, CNN reporting this. Intelligence officials are nearing the end of a 90-day investigation into the origins of COVID-19 that was ordered by President Biden and have drafted a classified report that is now in the preliminary review process. Sources familiar with the initial report say that after three months of pouring over the data and raw intelligence, the intelligence community is still divided over two theories. One suggesting the virus originated from a lab in Wuhan and the other suggesting it jumped naturally to humans from animals, the sources said. The report, as it stands now, contains, quote-unquote, nothing too earth-shattering. And as you point out further down in uh, the morning jolt today, this is even more of a head-scratcher because there had been earlier reports suggesting that they were really digging closer and closer to, to finding out that the lab leak had a lot more legs than they would even admit when this probe started. So what's going on here? Extraordinarily frustrating, Greg. And I think one of the things, look, we all kind of knew that there was very little chance that the U.S. intelligence community was going to take the 90 days, look over all the information and come back and say, President Biden, the cause of the pandemic is a lab leak in Wuhan. We great if they did, but uh, no, they were, they were never going to do that. What I thought we had a chance for was that, that they were going to say some version of Look, we know we promise you want an answer in 90 days and we can't give you anything clearer yet, but we've got a really st- strong lead that we think might give us some clear answers here. And that lead was somehow, some way, U.S. intelligence agencies have collected what they called a treasure trove of genetic data that basically contains the genetic blueprints drawn from virus samples studied in the lab in Wuhan, China. So if you have the complete genetic blueprints and you can go through all of that and you can find something that either completely matches the genetic code of SARS-CoV-2, or let's say is just one mutation away from the genetic code for SARS-CoV-2 that were the first cases back in Wuhan, all of a sudden you might have something that's not quite a smoking gun that would basically, if it's it's the same thing, then yeah, that's a smoking gun. If it's one mutation away, then it becomes, all right, just how astronomically unlikely is it that we would end up having a, ver- a version of this virus one minute change away that just happens to spring up right outside one of the three labs in the entire world that are doing gain-of-function research on novel coronaviruses found in bats. Um, so when I saw that report, I didn't want to get my hopes too high. And they still said it, and they pointed out that like the problem is you've got this giant database of information, and it's all in Mandarin. 
And you need scientists who are cleared, who handle this kind of very sensitive information, who also speak Mandarin and who speak the Mandarin, uh, not just like you know, casually, conversationally, but at a scientific level, right? And so it sounded like it was a manpower issue. It also sounded like it was an enormous issue of going through this database. And they said they're relying on supercomputers at the Department of Energy's National Labs, a collection of 17 elite government research institutions. So you'll, at least you read that article and you're like, okay, it's not the answer, you know, it's not the clear cut answer we're looking for, but that sounds like a really promising avenue of investigation. Um, and if, by the way, if you go through the entire database, and this certainly sounds like they've got all of them, and you don't find anything that looks like SARS-CoV-2, then okay, then maybe that would point in the direction of a natural origin. The answer we're getting from this CNN report yesterday is, it's just gonna say, look, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, we don't know. And that's not what we pay the US intelligence community. Uh, to do. Their job is to get us the best intelligence they can, the best information they can. The president has given them, I think, a very reasonable deadline. It's, you know, point out we are we are 20 months since the start of this, this pandemic. All right. The questions about the, you know, I wrote about the Wuhan labs, I believe it was April 3rd, 2020. Right. So this has been, you know, brewing around out there for well more than a year. You have to figure people in the CIA and the National Security Agency and everybody else who specialize in China, like you figure this would be a really the sort of thing you should be interested in. I think anybody who's been living under this pandemic is like, okay, I want to know where this came from. I want to know how this started. We got to know how this came from a from an animal to a person, if it came that way, or whether it came out of a test tube somewhere. And you know, in order to say, how do we stop this? Because I'm open to the possibility that it's a wet market. But if it's a wet market, then we should never have any wet markets again because they're just too dangerous to keep operating. That the virus could jump from a person into a, uh, from an animal into a person who's slicing chicken or, or God knows what other kind of animals out there, pangolins or, or, you know, rats or God knows what else. The virus gets into human beings, it's crowded, lots of people around, boom, you've started a pandemic and we're right back to where we started. We need clear answers here. And at least point the US intelligence community is like, yep, sorry, just don't know, can't help you there. Would you like to know how many tanks the Russians have? Would that do you any good? That's not really what we need to know right now. No, it's not. And you've done such a good job of explaining why the wet market and human to animal uh, argument doesn't have a lot of evidence behind it and why the, the lab leak uh, seems to have a growing amount of evidence behind it. But, but here's my question on this, Jim. What happens if the U.S. comes out and says, look, this leaked, definitively leaked from a a, a, a lab in Wuhan, China, and then after it leaked, the Chinese government lied for weeks, if not months, about the severity of it and what was actually happening and whether it was transmissible and all this stuff. And lo and behold, we get a worldwide pandemic from that. I, I mean, even if they really believed that that was the case, do you think they'd hold back from saying that because of the um, international repercussions? Greg, I'm hoping the answer to that is not no. The idea that certain people would know the truth and decide the truth is so dangerous that the world must be fed a more convenient lie. Uh, that said, look, if they came out and said, yes, here it is, here's the genetic codes, here's the definitive proof that uh, this was a result of some sort of you know recklessness or carelessness at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, I think it's safe to say the first thing is you get angry mobs around every Chinese embassy all around the world. Um, I think you end up seeing not just, you know, sanctions. Uh, I think you have all kinds of countries break off diplomatic relations with China. Uh, by the way, sad to say, I think you end up with um, probably some hostility to Chinese Americans. And I think Chinese residents overseas countries would probably get some 
uh, scapegoating for the virus. That's not fair. It's not their fault. But I think that is a potential consequence of all this. But I think first and foremost, also, like it would, but ironically, that would make it impossible for Disney to keep working with China. That would make it impossible for the NBA to keep working with China. That would make every U.S. company suddenly face extraordinary pressure to stop having their supply chains running through China because these were the guys who, at last count, killed 4.3 million people and you know withheld that information because if they reacted to this sooner, we could have gotten this under control. And they kind of, you know, but what, I go through this list of questions in uh, uh, today's morning jolt. One of the things I point out, like, okay, really, when did the Chinese government realize that it had a pandemic on its hands? You know, we know that people, do- doctors on the ground were, were catching it from their patients very early on. Like we knew, they knew, oh, wait, this is contagious. We know they didn't say it was, you know, could be spread from human being to human being until January 20th. Lots of people were saying, huh, that doesn't look right. You shouldn't be having this many cases spreading and increasing exponentially if it's just a matter of bad bat soup being served in one market. Um, but the fact that, you know, the idea of the question is how long did they knowingly lock? How long did they let this get worse knowing that the more the virus was spreading amongst unsuspecting people all around the world like and that's the thing like that would take china completely out of our partner in prosperity and all of this happy talk we've had for the past 30 years into a these guys are an enemy of humanity these guys do not care about anything and they will kill you and their family before they will admit a mistake and that is the sort of thing that is extraordinarily destabilizing to the entire way uh, of so many people in America's leadership, in Europe's leadership, and leadership all across the world have come to see the world. The entire Davos crowd will have to realize they suddenly completely botched it. This is like spending 30 years saying, no, no, we can get along with Hitler. He's fine. It's like saying, oh, no, don't worry. That Chernobyl thing is just hunky-dory. It's going to be great. And I think the consequences that are so big, that's one of the reasons you're seeing so much resistance to this. And, you know, this is why I feel like... Uh, uh, you know, I don't have a grand, you know, a big wall of like lots of newspaper clippings and photos and string connecting them and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> it sounds like crazy conspiracy theories. But there are so many people who don't want to believe this because the consequences of this could be so dire. Well, even if you don't come out with the, the lab leak confirmation, just the lying in the early stages of the confirmation yeah. should still trigger that same response for the most part. Now, if you come back and and you notice we have not, Greg. And the other thing I kind of observe is that um, I think what's going to happen is both the intelligence community and the Biden administration are going to finesse it. And they're going to say, well, we can't completely rule it out, but we can't come to any kind of definitive solutions or definitive answers here. And the first thing is that the Chinese government will insist this is vindication. They will say the U.S. intelligence community did everything it possibly could. They looked at this for 90 days and not even they could come up with any, you know, they couldn't even fake any evidence and, and all that stuff. But I think what's more is that everybody who wants to maintain the status quo with China will look at this and say, ah, see, they didn't do it. And because they want to believe they didn't do it. It is the more convenient answer. And that, I fear, Greg, is what we are, is what guides our understanding of the world. Not what is true, but what is convenient. So the lab leak report's going to be like the UFO report. Can't say it is. Can't say it's not. Anyway, yeah. look over there. Yeah, these guys did a great job, actually. Now you think about it on this after that. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> a certain YouTube video maker. 
What is it you'd say you do here? Uh, okay, let's talk about something better than that. And that's fantastic towels. My pillow, of course, has the six-piece my pillow towel set. We've talked about their pillows, the slippers, the sheets, all that stuff is great, of course. But so is the my pillow towel set. Uh, they're big, they're soft, they're fluffy, they get you dry ridiculously fast. And they're on sale, a big sale right now. The six-piece towel set, which regularly goes for $109.99, now goes for just $39.99. And each set has two bath towels, two hand towels, and a washcloth two-pack. They're made from proprietary technology that makes them highly absorbent. They're soft to the touch without that lotion-y feel, and they're made from cotton grown right here in the United States. They're available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, and they have a 60-day money-back guarantee plus a one-year limited warranty. So visit MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials button. Make sure you do that and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout or call 800-874-0104. The MyPillow six-piece towel set for only $39.99. While you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all the other MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bedsheets and the MyPillow premium pillows. It's MyPillow.com, code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. All right, Jim, let's move on to our second bad martini. Could be crazy. Arnold Schwarzenegger. We've talked about him a lot in conjunction with the California recall, since that's, of course, how he became governor back in 2003. But today he's in the three martini lunch for a different reason. He was on CNN talking about uh, response to the virus and uh, people being reluctant to get vaccines. He was on this segment with Alexander Vindman for some reason, so I'm not sure how uh, how that all happened. But anyway, uh, he was talking about why it's really important to follow the experts and uh, get vaccinated and, and wear your masks. And then he uh, addressed the concerns of people who thought this was uh, an invasion of their liberties. And this is what he ended up saying. There is a virus here. It kills people. And the only way we prevent it is, is to get vaccinated, to wear masks, to do social distancing, washing your hands all the time, and not just to think about, well, my freedom is being kind of disturbed here. No, screw your freedom. Because with freedom comes obligations and, uh, and responsibilities. He then compared it to ignoring traffic signals and ending up killing someone because you ran a red light, and that would be the same as infecting someone when you're unvaccinated. So, uh, Jim, there's a, a wealth of horrible messaging going on with the response uh, to this pandemic, but I'm pretty sure for those reluctant to get it, especially because they think uh, the pressure to get the vaccine is an infringement of their freedom, I don't think screw your freedom is going to be the uh, message that gets through and gets them to, uh, to do what he wants them to. I, I was going to say, you know, just at this point, just put it on the state flag. California. Just just put it on the state seal. Never mind Eureka. You know, just mean I found it. No, no. California, screw your freedom is that. Now, look, of course, this is terrible, terrible messaging. This plays into exactly what every mask, uh, you know, advocate is thinking. This plays into the worst stereotypes of every anti-vaxxer. Uh, but there's two things that jumped out at me. And I, went, I said to go back and look this up. And this is back in March 2020 when, you know, you know what was hitting the fan when it came to it and schwarzenegger released this uh you know social media you know video which showed himself in a hot in a hot tub and you know i, I can't resist it um you know doing the accent i noticed a little bit on there you trying to do that greg good for you you know but he says here i am at home 
taking a jacuzzi, smoking a little stogi. I just finished a bike ride and a little bit of a workout, and I just keep staying at home, away from the crowds and away from outside. The reason why I'm saying that is because I still see photographs and videos of people sitting outside in cafes all over the world and having a good time and hanging out in crowds. That is not wise because that is how you can get the virus. That is how you get it. Little girly man. No, uh, I made up that last part. But that was, you know, look, I mean, he's saying this and, and you know, recording these videos, looking like he's having, you know, a great time sitting there in his hot tub smoking his, his cigars. Now, there are a lot of reasons Arnold Schwarzenegger is the wrong guy to run around saying, screw your freedom. But I think it was Matthew Marsden over on uh, uh, Twitter who made the observation, for someone like Arnold Schwarzenegger, the lockdowns really didn't affect their lives very much, right? I mean, first of all, as a celebrity, your, your life is a little bit restricted as is. Like you walk down the street, you, you don't necessarily walk down the street in public very often because people can kind of gather around you asking for autographs or take pictures and stuff like that. But you know, think about it. Arnold Schwarzenegger doesn't have to worry about money anymore. He, you know, I, I suppose he may have socially distanced himself from his servants. I, I know of at least one servant he did not socially distance himself <laughs> at least a few years back. Um, he's got a private plane. He can fly to any one of his massive houses around the world. During the pandemic, Arnold Schwarzenegger had the resources to live his life pretty darn normally. And for him, you know, sheltering at home or staying at home meant hanging around in his jacuzzi and smoking cigars and you know, feeling great. And I want to, that's great, Arnold. I'm glad you're the, you know, you've been able to live the American dream. But for the pandemic, lots of Americans, that was not their experience. For lots of Americans, their experience was losing their jobs. For lots of Americans, their experience was not being able to see their loved ones and their, their parents and, and things like that. Not even being able to visit their parents in a nursing home while Andrew Cuomo killed them. Um, all of the you know, people went through absolute hellacious experiences with this and they really don't want this to come back. Now, does this mean I agree with every single protest against Vax and uh, against uh, masks? And, and you know, I, I have no uh, I, I have no support of the anti-vaxxers or something. But on the other hand, when the contempt is screw your freedom, I'm not surprised people react negatively to that, Arnold. And I really think you you, you owed it to the public to do better than that. I realize you're retired. I realize the last Terminator movie bombed and you're not doing that anymore. I realize you're ready to ride off into the sunset. And I hope Arnold Schwarzenegger enjoys his golden years. Else. But if he's going to hop on television and he's going to run around saying, screw your freedoms, he's actually doing something very harmful to the country that he claims to love. He's actually doing something by exacerbating the differences and by communicating such utter contempt for people. He's simply hardening the attitudes. He's not doing any good. And I think he's basically this way. These words just spoken off the cuff on cable news are probably going to be a very big factor in these anti-vax and anti-mass communities, because it basically lives down to their worst expectations of how government officials and former government officials see them. Wow. Well, all right. Let's talk about something better, uh, and that's uh, staying healthy, having a hopefully a strong immune system, and just uh, overall getting the vitamins and nutrients and minerals that you need. And that's where Ritual can come in. And the best part of Ritual, in addition to all the things that are in their multivitamins, is that you know what's in there. Their clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms that your body can actually use. No sugars, GMOs, allergens, fillers, and artificial colors. None of that stuff. Plus, it's got a 
nice minty taste uh, in its delayed release capsule. And so it makes taking your vitamins quite easy. And so I've had the chance to use Ritual Multivitamins. I love the fact that it's got the vitamin D, the vitamin C, and zinc, which is always good for the immune system, as well as a lot of the other vitamins and minerals that uh, your body needs uh, at a consistent level each day to perform at its best. Ritual is designed with your life stage in mind. It's available for women, men, and teens. And Ritual multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages. And Ritual makes your healthy habits easy. Your multivitamins are delivered to your door every month with free shipping always. You can start, snooze, or cancel your subscription at any time. And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they will refund your first order. So get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering three martini lunch listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit ritual.com slash martini to start your ritual today. Again, ritual.com slash martini. All right, Jim, let's get to our crazy martini now. And a couple weeks ago, we talked about how the feds have bungled the uh, the rent relief program that was actually part of legislation passed in COVID relief back in December when Trump was still president. But of course, since then, we've had this huge debate over the uh, eviction moratorium. And so this issue is taking on new life. And uh, you have written about this for National Review Online. Encourage folks to, to check that out at the corner. And so this is what we're seeing from the Wall Street Journal. More than seven months after it was launched, the biggest rental assistance program in U.S. history has delivered just a fraction of the promised aid to tenants and landlords struggling with the impact of the COVID-19 crisis. Since last December, Congress has appropriated a total of $46.6 billion to help tenants who were behind on their rent. As of June 30th, just $3 billion had been distributed, though a senior official said the Biden administration hoped that at least another $2 billion had been distributed in July. And so, Jim, yet again, the government is uh, probably going to mess up the simplest of programs here. But basically, one of the reasons Biden is thumbing his nose at the Supreme Court is because the federal government can't uh, figure out what the left hand and right hand are doing at the same time. I was going to say, Greg, there are three things that jump out about this. The first is this, you know, quote, or I guess, you know, a comment from an unidentified senior official in the Biden administration. Where it's basically like, oh, well, look, it looks really bad that as of June, six months into this program, just $3 billion out of $46.6 billion had been allocated. But by July, we think we got another $2 billion done. Well, that's great. That gets you to 10% after seven months. You want a medal or a monument for that? I mean, that that's kind of, you know, look, we're doing a lot better. No, you're not. I mean, like, you know, like, yes, it is better than spending $3 billion over the first six months. But it still indicates you're doing it at a ludicrously slow speed. And it does kind of, I, I ran the numbers and concluded, at this pace, the rental assistance program will allocate the entire amount they were given by Congress by June 2026. Midway through, um, you know, possibly, you know, I suppose in his mind, Biden's second term. I suppose in some other people's minds, Kamala Harris's first term. Or for some of the rest of us, perhaps Ron DeSantis's first term. But either way... It's going to be many, many years before they work their way through this money. And I think this kind of observes, like, the, there are a lot of problems that are friends of the Democratic side of the aisle. But the one thing that I will grant them that um, some conservatives do not, and maybe some listeners aren't going to say, I think, I think they look at the world, they see probably, oh, like, we should do something about that. I, I, and they genuinely, like, they, they genuinely empathize for people who are struggling to pay their rent. They genuinely empathize with people. Oh my God, look at the pandemic. Little people lost their jobs. All the businesses, bars and restaurants closed. Those people need to pay their rent. We should do something to help them. And their idea of helping, we should, we should spend a lot of money to help out these people. 
46 billion out the door get there and they never really think through the next step in the process which is how do you get the money to the people who need it and they just kind of assume oh the, the government will take care of that now look i wrote the weed agency in part because people don't really understand how the federal government works federal government is just full of offices but ultimately you get down to it their purpose in life is to take money from one place and put money into another and because this works pretty smoothly and quickly for you you move money from one account to another your checking account up oh, your checking your one account's overdrawn we better move money out of savings to this one uh you need to buy something you take money out of the atm or you write a check or you use your credit card money moves very quickly when you are an individual person and i think a lot of good noble liberals look like oh the world the government just works the same way actually it doesn't they have a lot more paperwork they have a lot more reviews of paperwork they have a lot more delays they have a lot more applications they have a lot more coordination they have a lot more meetings and in that slow process, the, the grind, the gears grind very slowly. And so lo and behold, this Byzantine process, you'd think something that the government does well, spend money, it actually does very slowly. It does it very badly. It takes forever for it to do it. And actually getting it to the people who need it is not the same. And this final, the last comparison, like it, it's just revealing how much like people kind of chuckled about it, but nobody, you know, Obama said in 2011, after spending two years, this is a stimulus plan is going to create shovel ready jobs. Well, the, <laughs> shovel ready was not as shovel ready as we expected. <laughs> and there was all this, oh boy, yeah. It's a, you know, huh, turns out we've been lying for the past two years. Boy, that's embarrassing. Oopsie. Nobody actually applied anything from that experience. Nobody actually realized, wait a minute, maybe we shouldn't run around promising this federal program is going to solve the problem because federal programs don't work very quickly or easily or smoothly. They run slowly at best. And in the end, we probably are, we ask them to do too much. But no, we can't do that. We just got to spend more money out the door to make up for the fact that all the money we spent out, we sent out the door a few months ago hasn't gotten to the people who need it. But hey, you know what? Or we could just ban evictions forever. How's that sound? <laughs> I'm sure some tenants would love that, Jim. Landlords, not so much. But, uh, you know, given how much they botched the uh, distribution of the $46.6 billion, I'm sure the $2 trillion in COVID relief, the 1.2 in infrastructure spending, and eventually, assuming they get it, the three and a half trillion uh, on the next bill. I'm sure all of that will be extraordinarily efficient, and waste will be virtually non-existent. Right? Ah, oh, I can't wait. One more day. One more day. Hopefully, we can have the energy to get there. Jim, see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already. Tell your friends about us as well. Very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Also, find us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Thursday, and please join us again on Friday, which is tomorrow, on the next Three Martini Lunch. Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day, I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.